This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. In part two of our podcast with Sandy Cook, Sandy continues her reflections on how the women's collective giving organization that she helps to lead invests in nonprofits' infrastructure. The unique mission of Impact 100 Metro Denver to support nonprofit infrastructure and transformation is influencing how nonprofits and donors in the Denver area work together. Work options for women is a, it's now just called work options. It's expanded to uh, men and women, but they do job training for um, individuals who want to in culinary skills, all kinds of culinary skills from very, very fundamental to more advanced. And they've been around really a while in uh, uh, Denver area. And they had been working with a variety of populations. And one of the populations that they had attempted to work with were particularly women who were coming out of prison. And it was just okay because the women had to go to a center to get the training. And that just was not terribly realistic because in the state of Colorado, when you come out of prison, from the kind of uh, situations the women had been involved in, you go to a halfway house first, and you have to find a job quickly to pay the rent at the halfway house. So as work options began to explore maybe a more efficient, effective way to serve that community, and this wasn't in their initial plan, they just knew they had to find another way. So they began to play around with that idea and said, if we could take the skills training to the halfway house or houses, they could reduce the time that it took the women to get through their training and go to work. Because work options had has very, very successful in placing people in jobs. So long story short, what ended up with the idea of taking the training, it was more, they file also decided, well, we probably can't do the training very well in the kitchen of a halfway house. And we need to be able to model what the kitchens will look like where they might go to work. So they had the idea of what if we had a, a portable training kitchen? And that's what we funded. Which still is around, it's it's actually expanded Uh, to serving many, many more uh, organizations other than a few halfway houses. And it's an incredible success story. So we funded the creation of the kitchen. We have um, a board position and a small and a team, and it's called Grants Management uh, Committee. We have uh, 
a leader of that team, the person who's in that role right now, is extraordinary. I mean, she just uh, lives and breathes keeping up with our grantees. The first year, uh, after the first, after the initial grant, obviously part of their role is just tracking the feedback from the grantee, uh, making sure the funds are delivered and that sort of thing. But then after that, it is the role of that team. There's somebody, there's a member linked to every grantee for every grant we've made. And it's up to that grantee how much they want to stay connected. But for the most part, they want to for a lot of reasons. One is that we do uh, promote volunteer opportunities, and many of our members uh, immediately connect. In some cases, some of them have really become part of the strong volunteer force for a given grantee. Some have gone on their boards. So there's that particular thing. Um, the other connection is um, the grantees obviously like the connection for a lot of reasons. For example, in April, we all got an invitation to the opening of one of our grantees' uh, new centers. And part of that center we funded it happens to be the kitchen because they've built a social enterprise out of food service. I think there's real power in being able to tell those stories about the continued relationship, particularly when you think about what we're funding. Uh, it's, there are things that maybe people don't think about having the kind of impact that some of what we've funded. So we have really honored the organization's know-how. One of the areas that I think we would be noticed the most is just the, the fact that we do fund infrastructure or whatever is gonna take you to the next level to the best that we can and that we've done that from the beginning. Whereas I think when you look at a lot of funders, uh, the shifts in their work, and there's been a lot, particularly in Denver. I mean, we've just got amazing philanthropic community. The shifts began to come through COVID. It's having to rethink what gets funded what it looks like, the need to fund running the organization and not a program. And there are fabulous programs that everybody's doing, but really push them back to say, we've really got to help uh, support nonprofits to just do what they do and do it very well and not find the new shiny object of a cool program. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say that that's what we influenced, but I, I think maybe somehow we were ahead of the curve a little bit on it. Maybe because we were new. We had no, no tradition of, 
of philanthropy. And we had uh, founders that were innovative and we seemed to attract women who somehow get it. They love it. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, there's lots of good stories to be told. Thanks to Sandy Cook for joining us. To learn more about Sandy and Impact 100 Metro Denver, visit the Catalytic Podcast website. Look for new Catalytic Podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Roo does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two Exponent members, the 1772 Foundation and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.